Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, it's Chelsea. I'm here today with Ryan, Mandy, and special guest, Heather Scherzer. Heather, can you um, introduce yourself? Hey guys, I'm so happy to be here today. I work at Worship Center with these lovely people. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) We told her to say that. (laughs) I'm the graphic designer and and, uh, head of photography here, and so I get to work real closely with Chelsea and just to share the love of Jesus with people through visuals. So it's awesome. awesome. And now through audio. And now through <laughs> audio. It's a new day. <laughs> um, so today we are walking through, we're actually starting the songs of ascent in Psalms. And um, we are walking through Psalm 120, 121, 123, 125, and 126. Um, and the songs of ascent are songs that pilgrims in the Israelite culture would sing on their way to Jerusalem for their annual feasts. So, are you going to correct me? You look like you want to correct me. I was going to say, can you explain pilgrims a little bit Oh, more? yeah. Well, pilgrim, in like the very sense of the word of like, it's a pilgrimage, it's a journey. Um, they're journeying to Jerusalem for worship. No tall hats and buckles. <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, just long robes and sandals. <laughs> but, um, as we're reading through this, a lot of people would have been coming from very distant places. And especially I think about it in Psalm 121, where that journey would have been difficult in some ways. They would have um, been in the hot sun. They would have had to kind of take shelter at night and worry about like people coming to attack them and things like that. It's It would have been a difficult journey, but they were singing along the way, which is and they, what I love And they about. did it every year? Um, a couple times a year, right? Am I right about that? As possible. Okay. So like, it's yes. not, it's not like, I, I believe in Islam, you must travel to, it's like one of the seven pillars. Yep. Um, it's not like that in the similar sense, but it is something that people held in pretty high regard and wanted to do. Right. There are a couple annual feasts in Israelite culture that they would have liked to travel for yes. to Jerusalem. I think one of them would have been like um, the Festival of Shelters. Um, in the New Testament, it talks about Jesus going to Jerusalem for that p- specific feast. So, that's so it's more of like a, a gift or a privilege to be able to, to, be go, able to go. Yeah. yeah, especially if they were in exile. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, which some of them are from that time period. We did. I I, I led a uh, like a student mission trip many many moons ago uh, when I was young <laughs> and vibrant. But um, anyway, we went somewhere. I think it was Costa Rica. It could have been El Salvador. I cannot remember, which is probably not great. Or Mexico. Honestly, this is terrible. Should we cut this part out? No. <laughs> You went somewhere. I went somewhere. I just might. You know. I just can't remember. But but they were doing a pilgrimage mm-hmm. um, to. Uh, whatever city we were in. And so we stood out there and we gave out like bottles of water and all this stuff because it was so hot. But the last part of the pilgrimage, it was the same thing. They were headed to the church. Um, They did on their knees. Whoa. They like the last stint of it. And so you just saw people just sweating and in anguish and like showing up on their knees. Wait, what for what what religion? (laughs) I do think it was Catholicism. Okay. I can't remember. Again, I probably should only tell stories I can remember a lot of the details. But no, my- we like your made-up ones. <laughs> thank, thank Keep you. going. Thank you so much. Don't fact check me on any of this. Um, but anyway, so all that to say, just seeing the commitment that people had to mm-hmm. do this pilgrimage and to get to where they were going and what they were willing to go through, like these things are huge sacrifices. So when we read these songs, the fact that people are singing and I don't know, I look at Psalm, I look at Psalm one twenty one. 
And it says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then it goes over like, hey, he's not going to let me stumble. He's going to he's going to watch over us. He's not going to harm us. I wonder in those in that moment, like, was this one of those really hard moments where they're just like sweating yeah. and they're mm-hmm. tired and they're looking around like, OK, remind myself, where does my help come from? Remind myself, where does my help yeah. come from? Because they would have been looking at Mount Zion, the mountain of Jerusalem. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like to like think about through the context, through the lens of what these people were singing as they were journeying is a really good point. Yeah. Because yeah. it would have been like a long, hot journey. And oh, my gosh. Very literal. Like. They're praying, God, don't let me stumble, don't let me fall, because that could have been deadly. Yeah, exactly. So the amount of, like, commitment they had to do this is pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, On that pilgrimage note, I think it's pretty interesting to look, like, looking with this Old Testament lens, which, remember, there's there's no such thing. It's actually just a Bible lens. Um, (laughs) Looking at God through the lens that we are, it's interesting to me how many tangible acts are required or like how many tangible acts of, I guess, like discipline or like appreciation for God, people are actually excited to take part in. Mm. So it's not, it's like, like it's tempting to look at this and be like, Oh my gosh, this is so legalistic. Um, But it's actually just something they want to do as an act of devotion to Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. And we have actively, I think broken down a lot of those tangible acts of discipline um, by calling them legalism and look, you know, like, well, I, I can love Jesus without doing those things. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can, but actually some of them are pretty helpful. So mm-hmm. it's probably pretty hard to go on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and not grow deeper in your faith. Um, and I think we should pay attention to the amount of, of effort we put into breaking down those kinds of things that are actually very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not legalistic. It's actually just a way to deepen devotion and so looking at these pilgrimages and, and these songs they sang along the way, like these are very difficult journeys that are in honor of God. Uh, remember, they thought God's actual presence was in the temple. So they were actually going to see actual God as, as close as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we should be careful breaking down like those tangible disciplined things that actually bring us closer to God, not in a legalistic sense, but in a devotional sense. Yeah, absolutely. Why do people go to such great lengths? When did this start? What is happening? Why do people want to like take stuff out that's actually really beautiful? Like, I feel like we get, like look at things more so as like an ends to a means. Like, I feel like people are like, "What can I get out of that nowadays?" And it's not appropriate. It's not the attitude or perspective that God wanted us to have. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we're in such a culture now of like instant gratification. That that's, okay, so why would I not do something that's instant gratification? But there was a long process through this. There was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. This was not a, you know, we're going to get there in an hour kind of thing. This was a, you know, this was a process. And I feel like nowadays people are just, they're like, well, if I can have it now, why would I go through the process? We've we've done some pretty cool things uh, in the name of, of evangelism. Like we've, we've broken down a lot of disciplines in an effort to reach more people, mm-hmm. like in an effort to make the gospel more accessible. Um, we've emphasized these acts of discipline less, which I think is a good thing when it comes to evangelism. But where we fall then is on the side of discipleship where like, Hey, these disciplines are actually pretty awesome. Like it's actually pretty good to do these things. And if you want to grow and deepen your faith, you should do them. Mm. Um, so we've, we want to reach a lot of people. That's a really, really good thing. There's more people becoming Christian in the world than ever in the history of the world. Um, but we don't want to lose depth in favor of width. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, so do you see this as actually like encouraging people to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem? Cause that, that would have benefits, but with 
the war going on, do you think that? Is well, like, I don't, I mean, God, God's presence is in our hearts now. We don't yeah. have to travel to Jerusalem at all. Right. Um, but the assumption with this psalm specifically is that, that this is intended for worship as mm-hmm. part of pilgrimage. I would say, uh, like, to bring it to current day, I think some people would say, I can love Jesus without going to church. Well, that's true. You could. But Jesus has a lot to say about his church and a lot to say about gathering together in community. Um, and I would say you can't love Jesus as deeply without being in a community of believers. So, I think like, you could actually strip away every single thing and say, I can love Jesus right. and have nothing. I don't have to read my Bible. Actually, I don't even have to pray. Like, da-da-da, Jesus, I think you yeah. could just actually whittle it down to that one statement. You can. Mm-hmm. You can. You. I mean, you can say it. I'm not I'm not saying you should live right. that. <laughs> and <laughs> you might not actually love Jesus, if that's the case. Exactly. <laughs> I, but I think people have, have gotten it so simplistic like that. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus and do literally nothing that he did. Right. It's mm-hmm. not possible. I don't think people are necessarily interested in being a disciple. Right. We cannot become disciples of Jesus and like skip everything that he did. Correct. <laughs> it's, it's not possible. Yeah. I think people have gotten into a place that's that's not healthy or true. Yeah. Like we're too comfortable. Uh, one of the things I, th- I think this can connect. So today we're reading Psalm 125 amongst others. But Song 125, verse 4, O Lord, do good to those who are good, whose hearts are in tune with you. There's a lot of room for conversation with what it looks like to have a heart that's in tune with God. Mm. Um, this is this is one of those psalms of ascent. So as people are, you know, really doing these tangible acts of discipleship, by tangible acts, I mean like they're they're doing physical things that take them out of their normal zone to get closer or deeper in their relationship with God. Um, as they're ascending, they're talking about having a heart that's in tune with God. And I think a lot of things come down to heart, a heart that is in tune with God. Um, I, I think it's very hard. It's, it's something I've been thinking about a lot. You'll probably, you'll probably catch on to that as I am part of more episodes. <laughs> I just, I just think that as we talk about discipleship specifically uh, in this age, it's really important to not lose sight of who Jesus was and what he asked his disciples to do. Mm. Because as followers of Jesus, we're saying like, hey, we are signing up to be disciples of Christ. So if we're disciples of Christ, how is it possible for us to be a disciple of Christ and yet do nothing that he asked? We should have we should have some tension there. Yeah. And we should be able to ask ourselves like, you know what? Maybe my heart's not actually in tune with God. Like maybe my heart is in tune with whatever it is I desire for myself instead of what God desires for me. And I think that I'm not I'm not I'm not looking at this with rose-colored glasses. Like I know a lot of these people that went on this pilgrimage were probably not in a great spot. They probably didn't have a lot of depth just like we struggle with having depth. Uh but I think that you know, as they're doing these things, as they're asking for uh, God to give them the heart that's in tune with him. I think part of that is just like tangible actions that show that we're believers in Jesus. We're part of his mission. We're followers of the example that he set. I think that's one of the best ways to to know if your heart is in tune with God. Mm-hmm. And I think it does lead to hard, hard conversations. I'm not saying it's easy. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that it's probably the only worthwhile thing you'll be able to do mm-hmm. is actually look at your life and say like, does my life look like the life of Jesus? Newsflash, it doesn't. <laughs> For all of us. <laughs> For yes. all of us, it doesn't. And maybe we should be striving to do more to do that. So you were asking about, or or you can't see who I'm pointing at, duh. Um, <laughs> we were talking about um, what it means to be a disciple, I guess, and, and, and where that has come from. Is that fair? Kind of what you've said? Sure, yeah. Um, so I'm reading right now The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, it's It's a phenomenal read. It's a little weighty. 
Uh, it's it's not an easy read, um, but it's it's very sharp. And I think it, Chelsea, do you know when it was written? Like the thirties? Uh, yeah, I mean around the around the late thirties, yeah. early forties. Um, it's it's shocking to me some of the things that Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer has to said. So his premise is that there is there is costly grace and there's cheap grace. And his concern is that the church is moving towards cheap grace that says like, just love Jesus. This is in the late thirties. Um, and, and Bonhoeffer, if you know anything about his life, like he was all about costly discipleship, but the premise of one of his chapters is that the, the Western church has been shaped by Martin Luther, uh, which, which is the reformation. And what Martin Luther did was look at all these things that the Catholic church was requiring at that time and basically break them down and say like, we only need Jesus. We only need grace. We only need the word. So it's all these solos that come out of it. Um, if you're like a if you're like a theologian, you know what I'm saying with like solo scriptura, or you have a, you have a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, um, that's where that comes from. But the premise that Bonhoeffer is setting is that Martin Luther was saying uh, faith through grace alone, with the assumption that we would be actively following Jesus. So he was not trying to strip away all these tangible things, which is what we've decided. So, like, we're starting to believe some things that were not intended by the Reformation. The Reformation was saying, like, we are going to do all these phenomenal things on behalf of Jesus and know that we're not justified by those things. We're justified by grace alone. What we've started to believe is we're going to do none of those things and be justified by grace alone. And that's a dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Real quick, what is the difference between costly grace and cheap grace? So costly grace is, you know what, to follow Jesus, you're going to give up a lot because you're actually going to become all about Jesus. And to become all about Jesus, particularly in the West, it requires a lot. Mm -hmm. Because there's a completely opposite narrative that's out there that is like, protect yourself, take care of yourself, make sure you're first, like, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and while there's value in making sure like you're filling your life with Jesus so that you have something to give to people, yeah. I think it gets twisted really fast and gets you into weird territory. I know for myself, it does. I start to protect my, protect myself from actual things that would cost me something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I, I'm like under the under the title of self-care, under the title of being healthy, or under the title of I put my oxygen mask on first so I can save you too. It, anything that's taken to an extreme is not a good thing anymore, you know? So I do think we have that battling narrative. Um, when in reality, I feel like sometimes, because I get in that state too, where you're just like, oh, you know, my spiritual fuel tank is empty. I can't give. But then you know, I've also experienced in those moments where I'm like, okay, but I have this thing scheduled with my small group that I lead. And so I have to go, but I'm empty. So I can't do this. And then you go and you're like, holy crap, that filled me up. Mm-hmm. Pouring into others filled me up. And, and that, you know, is not what we think, you know, in society today is that, you know, giving the oxygen mask to other person is actually going to save you. But in many instances that does happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I was thinking like with Psalm 126, when you're talking about this, what it makes me think in the very beginning, it says, you know, when they like, they're just so grateful. It's like a dream to them, right? That they're actually being brought back like to Jerusalem out of exile. Like, and the the thing that it says though, is other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. And they're looking at these people's lives, which were very, very difficult. And we've talked almost every day on this podcast about God's whole story is about God, right? Pointing back to God all the time. And so we look at these people's lives and all of this is just pointing back to the greatness of God. And everybody else is looking and going, wow, look what God has done. Not, wow, those people are super devoted. Wow, that's really cool. No, it's like, look what God has done. And mm-hmm. and and so I, 
I think as we like wrap up here with Psalm 126, everything we're talking about today is about always, it's always pointing back to God. It's not mm-hmm. about, are you doing enough? Are you? It's not that. It's what you're saying. Are you in tune with God? Yeah. I mean, look at the, consider the heart position of the people in Psalm 126. So they're, they're coming out of exile. So what is, what is the primary narrative, the primary story that they understand? They understand that their relatives, their um, preceding generations, they gave up God for themselves and God judged them and sent them into exile. I think it's probably like, if you, if you can, if it's possible to put yourself in their position, they've been living in Babylon uh, amongst people that they don't know, um, amongst languages that they don't speak. Uh, they've been living there for a bit. And now God says, you know what? You can go home. So imagine their heart returning home. They're now going to go back to the land they've heard about. They're going to go back with their people. They're going to go back and worship their God. Their heart position is in tune with God. Mm-hmm. It's They're not walking back into Jerusalem saying, hey, where did we put those Asherah poles? Uh, <laughs> let's get them out. Like They're not going back saying like, so... Do we put the golden calf here or does it go over here? Like they're coming back with a narrative that is, no, I actually do want to live my life in honor of God because I know what happens when I don't. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to believe all those crazy things that my ancestors have been saying because I know they're wrong because I've seen, I've seen God and yeah, I've seen God's judgment and we could talk about God's judgment and we could get like very depressed, but, (laughs) but this is God's grace. This is God's grace. God's grace says, you know what? It's time for you to go home and here's another shot. Mm Mm-hmm. And if your heart's in tune with me, this is going to be a great shot. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a good thing. Um, and you've you've seen what happens when your heart's not in tune with me. It's not a good thing. And when your heart is in tune with God, other people notice and are moved to be closer to God. Yeah. And that is what's so awesome. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to God's Whole Story. Uh, we hope you're enjoying it. Um, hopefully it's not too heavy today. Uh, I, I definitely, like specifically from the things that I said, I want you to know this is something that I'm processing very actively in my own mind. Uh, and it's it's hard. So if you feel tension, uh, I'm sorry that you feel tension. I'm sorry also that I feel tension. <laughs> um, but I, I, as we track through God's Whole Story, I want us to be following God and nothing else. Hey guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Psalm 121. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Psalm 123. I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. We keep looking to the Lord our God for his mercy. Just as servants keep their eyes on their master, as a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy. For we have had our fill of contempt. We have had more than our fill of the scoffing of the proud and the contempt of the arrogant. Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but but will endure forever. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forever. The wicked will not rule in the land of the godly, for then the godly will be tempted to do wrong. O Lord, do good to those who are good, 
whose hearts are in tune with you. But banish those who turn to crooked ways, O Lord. Take them away with those who do evil. May Israel have peace. Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.